صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Palestine Remembered, Australia's only dedicated Palestine show. And we have to give thanks again, as we do often, to 3CR for giving Palestine this platform. November is Palvember, and there's some very exciting events coming up around Australia, so be sure to stay tuned, so I'll give you some details. But we can't start November without recalling the 2nd of November, and the infamous document from the 2nd of November, 1917. This is the day when one country promised one people the land of another. This document, known as the Balfour Declaration, was written to Lord Rothschild. And it says, Dear Lord Rothschild, I have much pleasure in conveying to you, on behalf of His Majesty's Government, the following declaration of sympathy with Jewish Zionist aspirations which has been submitted to and approved by the Cabinet. His Majesty's Government view with favour the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavours to facilitate the achievement of this object, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the rights and political status of enjoyed by Jews in another country. I should be grateful if you would bring this declaration to the knowledge of the Zionist Federation. Of course, the British made many promises to the Arabs in the Hussein McMahon papers where they promised the Arabs independence if they rose up against the Ottomans. Of course, we were all betrayed. They lied to us. The only ones that benefited were, in fact, the Zionists. One thing we often don't talk about with respect to Balfour is the fact that he was a white supremacist and an anti-Semite. But Zionists have never been afraid to take help from anti-Semites, from today, the evangelical far-right that, in fact, are the most anti-Semitic of Christians, are demanding the ingathering of Jews to Israel so that the Armageddon may happen and the second coming, the King of Kings, can return. And they fully expect these Jewish people that if they don't convert to Judaism, to burn in hell. The disconnect in the thinking that allows for people who have escaped from pogroms, from Holocaust, from Spanish Inquisition, from Crusades, to seek the assistance of anti-Semites, whether it's Viktor Orban in Hungary or whether it's the evangelical far-right Christian fundamentalists of the United States. It really is crazy. But if we want to go back, and we should speak to the reality of the anti-Semitism and white supremacism of Lord Balfour. I mean, this is one of his quotes. We have to face facts. Men are not born equal. The white and black races are not born with equal capacities. They are born with different capacities, which education cannot 
and will not change. It's a hundred years ago. And then following that, he wrote those infamous 67 words that changed the course of history in Palestine in the Middle East. And the reality today is that statement could fit into two tweets. Who would know that it would go to create so much damage? He was then British Foreign Secretary and he announced to the world that the British government would support the establishment of a Jewish homeland in, in Palestine. A hundred years later, this profound legacy, what is known as the Balfour Declaration, continues to define the dynamic between Israelis and Palestinians. You might ask yourself where that quote came from before. Men are not born equal. The white and the black races are not born with equal capacities. They are born with different capacities, with diff which education cannot and will not change. That quote came from a debate in the House of Commons that the British were having about South Africa, about the disenfranchisement of native blacks in South Africa. Nearly all of the parliament agreed that the disenfranchisement of the blacks was evil, but not Balfour, who almost alone was arguing for apartheid. This hero to Zionism, his troubling views were not just limited to Africa. In fact, he was a renowned anti-Semite. In the late 19th century, the pogroms that targeted Jews throughout Russia and uh, Europe that led to waves of Jewish emigration westward towards England and the United States. The influx of these refugees led to an increase in British anti-immigration racism and outright anti-Semitism. Themes not unfamiliar to us today. Support for political action against immigrants grew as the English public demanded immigration control to keep certain immigrants, i.e. Jews, out of the country. The public found a sympathetic ear in Balfour in 1905 whilst he was Prime Minister of England. He presided over the passage of the Aliens Act. This legislation put the first restrictions on immigration into Great Britain and it's primarily aimed at restricting Jewish immigration. According to historians, Balfour had personally delivered passionate speeches about the imperative to restrict the wave of Jews fleeing from the Russian Empire entering into Britain. This is the same guy who, uh, almost two decades later, promises Palestine to the Jews. It seems astonishing to like a free-thinking person how Balfour could go from being that anti-Semite on 1905 to the Balfour Declaration 1917 and become a hero to the Zionists. But the reality is his thinking can be traced back to his white supremacist beliefs. Balfour lived in an era of rising nationalism that was highly ethno-religious. And because of these sentiments early in the 20th century, it was liberal Western nations that struggled with the thought of incorporating Jewish citizens. What Zionists provided Balfour was a solution to the challenges that Jewish citizens posed to his idea of an ethno-nationalist vision, a solution that enabled him to satisfy his racist belief by pushing Jews elsewhere. Instead of insisting on a society that accepted all citizens as equals, regardless of their racial or religious background, the Zionist movement gave him the opportunity for an answer, a separation, apartheid. Balfour saw in Zionism not just a blessing for the Jews, but for the West as well. He wrote in 1919 in a book, in an introduction to Nahum Sokolov's History of Zionism, that this would mitigate the age-long miseries created for Western civilization by the presence in its midst of a body which too long regarded as alien and even hostile, but which it was 
equally unable to expel or absorb. By giving Jews a place to go and a place to leave, Zionism solved two of his problems at once. In other words, his support for Zionism was motivated by an extent for his desire to protect Britain from the negative effects, if you will, the miseries of having Jews in his midst, rather than from protecting them from the pogroms and the challenges of being minorities throughout Europe. Britain could just simply export them. It didn't need to import them. It's apparent and it's clear as daylight that his view of Zionism is steeped in the same white supremacism that saw him advocating for white superiority in South Africa. It's a racist, white supremacist attitude. And the reality of that is that he created a problem in a different geography. What this white supremacist attitude created was a new apartheid, the apartheid that is Israel today, where Israeli powers, prime ministers, they rule over millions of Palestinians, where they're either second-class citizens, they're in the largest open-air jail that is Gaza, or their refugees denied the right to repatriation, or they're living under occupation in Jerusalem or the West Bank. We should acknowledge that we are here today because of this white supremacism, and Britain's relationship with Israel, Israel's relationship with Britain, Israel's relationship with Australia is predicated on this same settler-colonial white supremacist attitude that sees the brown as another and the white as superior. You have to give it to Lord Balfour. He was unabashed and aware of the hypocrisy of his stance. He wrote, The weak point of our position, of course, is that the case of Palestine, we deliberately and rightly decline to accept the principle of self-determination. He wrote this letter to the Prime Minister in 1919. We do not propose even to go through the form of consulting the wishes of the present inhabitants of the country, the 700,000 Arabs who now inhabit that ancient land. Those Arabs, of course, are me and my Palestinian brothers and sisters who made up more than 90% of the population, my grandparents, my father among them. Therein lies the fundamental problem that continues to this day 104 years later. Palestinians are denied the right to have those rights because from the outset, their views, their human rights, and by extension, their very humanity was consistently seen as inferior to those or others. That was clear in Balfour's perspective and the British Mandate's policy, and it persists in one way or another in all of the policies of the State of Israel through to today. I'm happy to report that the Association of the Palestinian Community in the United Kingdom, they're about to launch a legal case to compel the British government to apologise for the Balfour Declaration. According to reports, a special lawyer was appointed to carry out the necessary legal procedures. Hundreds of Palestinians in Britain participated in the large meeting in the capital in London last week, and they discussed the Balfour Declaration, decided to proceed and establish a lawsuit to demand the government apologise for it. Apology should be a first step, of course, but there'll be so many other things we should be demanding of the British, including reparations. Some amazing news this week. Legendary Aboriginal intellectual activist, academic writer, storyteller, actor, Dr. Gary Foley has been announced as the 2021 recipient of the Jerusalem Quds Peace Prize. I want to read from the APAN media release. Australians of Palestine and the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network are thrilled to announce the winner of the 2021 Jerusalem Al-Quds Peace Prize as Aboriginal intellectual activist, academic writer, storyteller and actor, Dr. Gary Foley, who's currently Professor of History at Victorian University. Foley was a key member of the Aboriginal Self-Determination Black Power Movement 
that established the first Aboriginal legal and healthcare services in the early 1970s. He was also a key figure in establishing the famous Aboriginal tent embassy protest of 1972 and has been at the centre of major political activities in Australia for more than 50 years. In particular, he saw the power of theatre and film as a way of highlighting the political challenges facing his people, which in 2015 saw him awarded the Australian Council Red Ochre Award for a lifetime achievement in the arts. More recently at Victoria University, Dr Foley's Aboriginal History Archive, comprising a lifetime's collection of documents on Aboriginal political activism, is being built into Australia's first and only online digital archive on the Australia Black Power, Land Rights and Self-Determination Movement. As the struggles of Indigenous people become more visible in settler states, it was only natural that Foley and others would find inspiration in the Palestinian struggle for self-determination. In the late 1970s, he worked with the former Palestinian Liberation Organization representative for the Oceania region, Ali Kazak, to establish a black Palestinian solidarity movement in Australia. They both saw the Palestinian and Aboriginal struggle as part of the same fight for justice against settler colonial occupation. This led to Foley, Kazak and Melbourne University academic Susanna Henty organising the historic first black Palestinian Solidarity Conference in Australia in November of 2019, focused around Indigenous resistance against settler colonial occupation in Australia and Palestine. In his keynote address, Gary Foley stated, All Aboriginal people in Australia, like all Palestinian people, are impacted by the ongoing occupation of our homelands, the ongoing attempts to assimilate us, the ongoing and never-ending implications of settler colonialism that are not diminishing but getting stronger impacts all our people. When I see what is going on in occupied Palestine, it hurts me. The award is going to be presented on an online event on Tuesday the 30th of November 2021. I'll put a link to that in the podcast, so be sure to click on that and register. It's a free event. Tuesday the 30th of November, you'll get to see and hear from Dr. Gary Foley as he's presented with the 2021 Jerusalem Al-Quds Peace Prize. Congratulations, Brother Gary. A remarkable achievement and a remarkable man. Next bit of Palvember is 2021 Palestine National Day. It'll be online again due to COVID restrictions. But Monday, the 15th of November at 6 p.m. through to 7 p.m., go to the APAN website. Again, that link will be in the podcast. You can join online to celebrate Palestine National Day and showcase a Palestinian culture. The event will include poetry, music, dubka performances, a few short speeches and videos from young Palestinians, as well as a live stream of the raising of the Palestinian flag. The event will be streamed on Zoom and on Facebook Live. I'll post those links in the podcast, so uh, be sure to go there and check it out. Make sure you tell your friends and share the event. Uh, Congratulations to the Palestinian community in Victoria, APAN, uh, the Palestine Community Association, the Bet Jala Palestinian Association, Australians of Palestine, Casey Friends of Palestine, and Free Palestine Melbourne, as well as a new movement called Herak. Congratulations to everyone that's involved. Next in Palvember is the Cuisine and Culture in Conversation, the PIN fundraiser, the Palestine Israel Ecumenical Network. That's Tuesday the 23rd of November at 7.30pm. The link again will be in the podcast. You can join Lama Qasim and Claudia Hiles on Zoom as they cook up a Palestinian storm whilst engaging in conversation around cuisine and culture. 
learn to cook kafta and tahini, frika with chicken, aliyat bandura, and one of my favorite desserts, harise. Uh, the recipes for these four dishes, as well as another vegetarian dish, will be sent to attendees who register. Uh, the Zoom link will be in the podcast, so make sure you get along to that. Tuesday, 23rd of November, 7.30 till 9 p.m. It's online, and the details will be in the podcast. And after a year off, the run for Palestine is back in Melbourne, Sunday, the 28th of November. Registration's at 10 a.m. Run starts at 11. We're doing one lap with a sausage sizzle and a gold coin donation. Uh, come along the Tan Tom's Block, Linlithgow Avenue, King's Domain. You can register online. We'll put those links again in the pod- podcast, so they'll all be there. Or you can go to the APAN website and look up events. I hope you can come along. We'd really enjoy a, a big turnout and a big event. We're looking forward to a lovely day now that we're out of lockdown and hopefully a good chance for the community to get back together and raise some vital funds, all money, from the Run for Palestine. We'll go through to Olive Kids and through to Al Aman Orphanage and the orphans there in Gaza. So come along Sunday the 28th of November. Uh, and then the conclusion, obviously, of Palvember is the Jerusalem Peace Prize that we spoke about earlier on and Congratulations once again to the fabulous and fantastic Dr. Gary Foley. One of the things Palestinians struggle with is the hypocrisy of the West. And in particular, with a couple of incidences of of late, the Washington Post recently did a story on the Israeli soldiers and the occupation forces in Hebron and something, a a new level of apartheid and bastardry for the Israelis. The Israeli military has been conducting a broad surveillance effort and they're monitoring Palestinians using facial recognition software. And the way they built up this database is they told their soldiers that there was a competition for who could take pictures of the most Palestinians. So there was a competition with the soldiers to take pictures of Palestinians and put them into this database. And so this database is growing with all those pictures in there and it's called Blue Wolf. It's a smartphone application. Israelis call it Facebook for Palestinians. Of course, the justification by the IDF was to protect Israel against terrorists. No care of freedoms for those people that they occupy or their life. You know, China does this sort of stuff. And the hypocrisy there is, you know, China is doing facial recognition. That's terrible. But Israel doesn't. Nobody, there's no outrage. And where is the condemnation? This hypocrisy is really starting to drive change. I mean... They're starting to lose, they're the powers that be, they're starting to lose control of the youth. People can see through the duplicity and the hypocrisy. We can condemn China for its actions in Hong Kong, but not Modi in Kashmir, where 95% of the population is Muslim. The the duplicity and hypocrisy is outrageous. You know, the Uyghurs are suffering under the Chinese, and that's outrageous. How dare the Chinese do that to the Muslims in China? But Modi can do it to the Muslims in Kashmir. No, because suddenly they're our friends and we can do it. And all of that is directly transposable and translated to what happens in Palestine. Israel's our friend. Australia's like Israel. We are two countries, one and the same, as former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull spoke when he was lording over Benjamin Netanyahu when he was here. He's right when he said we're the same. We're a white settler supremacist society that's existence is predicated on the dispossession and continued oppression of its indigenous First Nations people here, as is the case in the settler colonialist 
country that is Israel in, and in its continuing denial of Palestinian rights, Palestinian right of return, and denying our rights to self-determination. As Palestinians, we know the struggle is going to be long and it's hard, but we're not going to give up. The fight for justice for Palestine for Palestinians is a global struggle of solidarity. And it's global because indigenous peoples who are struggling for their rights to self-determination know that the tactics, the learnings that are from the Palestinians, but also the tactics used by the Israelis are going to be adopted by their own oppressive regimes at some point. In this past week, somebody forgot to tell Benny Gantz, the Israeli defense minister, that Donald Trump's no longer in the United States and he's no longer president because he just outlawed six Palestinian human rights organizations. Al-Haq, the Mir Bissan Center, the Defense for Children International Palestine, the Union of Agricultural Work Committees, and the Union of Palestinian Women Committees. They've said, or Benny Gantz has said, that they're all linked to the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, and these organizations are, in effect, fronts for European money to be channeled through to terrorists. This is an outrageous lie and a slur. It's part of an Israeli Orwellian plan to criminalize everything to do with Palestine, whether it be advocacy by forcing countries, governments, schools to adopt the flawed IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, um, whether it's to attack aid through UNRWA, and as we've seen with Mohammed al-Halabi, who's now been in jail for five and a half years, 150-odd court appearances. Deloitte's cleared him, DFAT cleared him, World Vision cleared him. Israel knows he's innocent, yet he still languishes in a jail, has been offered deal upon deal that would have seen him released by now. But he won't admit guilt because he knows what the Israelis are trying to do to deny human rights organizations fundings. And now we've got the six, these six Palestinian organizations. In Australia, there's movement to prescribe the entire Hamas. Today, we only have uh, the military wing of Hamas as a terrorist organization. There's a movement to have the whole of Hamas prescribed, which would make, make 2 million Palestinians in Gaza all terrorists. The reality, if you're a garbage collector or a nurse or a school teacher or a public library worker, you're part of the civil service. You're employed by the entity that runs the Gaza Strip and that's Hamas. So you're receiving a wage from them. You're now a terrorist. They can kill you with impunity. And if you're an Australian with relatives or friends in Gaza and you want to send them the money, send them some money, some aid, you know, $50 for Christmas or whatever it might be, the fact that you might send that money to them would make you a supporter of terrorism. You could find yourself charged with aiding a terrorist organization and God knows what that could mean, but maybe ultimately ending up in jail. Now, nobody told Benny Gantz that Donald Trump's no longer the president, and he just thought that he could declare these leading organizations as terrorists, and that would be enough. And now, the reality is that people are asking questions, whether it's the EU, the UN, they want some evidence. Now, a dossier was leaked, and people have reported it on already, and a 74-page report sent out by the Shin Bet offers barely any advice other than a couple of Palestinians who never actually worked for any of the six organizations and some, you know, pretty crappy assessments of, you know, their evidence was, well, everybody knows. 
thankfully, some people are starting to push back in Europe and even in the United States. Not yet here. Miss Payne is still waiting uh, to, to hear from the Israelis as to what's going on. But at least five senior officials from European countries said the dossier did not contain any concrete evidence and thus they've decided to continue to financially support the organizations. Since then, those European countries have asked for more information. They've sent through formal requests for more information, but they've been ignored by uh, the minister there, Benny Gantz. Nothing come back. Not a single concrete piece of evidence. Imagine that. What a surprise that the Palestinians are innocent and the Israelis are creating this Orwellian conspiracy to criminalize anything to do with Palestine, Palestinian advocacy, support for Palestinians. We know why these organizations are being targeted. It's because they're effective. They do great work. Thanks for listening. Share the podcast. Tell your friends. And remember, there's never been a better time for a free Palestine. Kudlun Andun Dababet, a song by Shadia Mansour. يا فلسطين الأحرار يا غزة الأبطال الصهيوني جايل النهار تراب تراب
كل ربيدي كل ربيدي والحال شعرهم شاب السواد بافكارهم هافزات وقع بالالف وقعوا بحب الاراد بيعملونا كسرطان عندهم بالقلب ايديهم مش قادره تسلم لنا صبيعهم على الفرد يا ابن العره كلنا غزهم بالعزه الناس زي كل الناس في احساس مش حماس ولا عباس لما شفت غزه انا شفت حالي شفت اطفال تتيتم انا يضلوا مع الاهلي اطفالي تموت وانا ابكي افتش على اولادي شفت نسوين تطب حضانه اختي استشهدت معلي استشهد لني شفت اخرتي ولما شفت المقاومه انا كونت بدي كونت بدي بس واقعينا صحني اتجه Hajar. 